Ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome to yet another show of Licorice All Sports. I'm your host, Robert Winston, and today is Friday, the 29th of January, 2021. And on today's show, in the first hour, we'll be having a chat to a professional Australian boxer. His name is Mark, the Magic Man Sleeves, and we'll be talking about his upcoming professional bout on March the 20th. Also, we'll be talking tennis with Brett Phillips from the first serve. The Australian Open is just around the corner, and I'm looking forward to having that chat with Brett. In the second hour, we're talking to Tom Thorne, the former assistant coach of the Bendigo Spirit, all things basketball, both domestic, local, and international. And to cap it off, we'll be talking to Brent Sternberg from Talking American Footy. The Super Bowl 55i is upcoming in approximately 10 days from now. And I'm looking really forward to that conversation with Brent. And a bit of a fun segment to finish off proceedings in the second hour. We're talking LAS Beer of the Week with myself. And this week's beer is going to be a fun one. So for the next two hours, I hope you enjoy the show. And to kick proceedings off, I'll be playing a song. And we'll be going to the song Fly Away by Tones and I. So please tune in to the next two hours here on your local station, 88.6, Plenty of Valley FM, with this edition of Liquorice Shore Sports. Let's play Tones and I, Fly Away, and let's get into it. On this I had a dream that someday I would just fly, fly away. And I always knew I couldn't stay. So I had a dream that I'd just fly away. Thank you. 
Simos and the team at Bricky Cafe in Hutton Street, Thornbury are a station supporter and Licorice All Sports program sponsor. They love sport too, so to celebrate if you're heading into Melbourne's sporting precinct or just passing through Thornbury, mention you heard them on Pony Valley FM and they'll offer you a discount deal on a delicious coffee and roll. Bricky Cafe, just a minute from Thornbury Station, you can't miss them. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. Station sponsor. If you use a mobile phone when driving, you put yourself four times more at risk of having an accident that could be serious or even fatal. Ask yourself what that conversation or text message is really worth to you. Is it worth the fine, the loss of demerit points, or even a human life? That's exactly what you risk every time you use a phone whilst driving. You not only risk your own life, but the lives of your passengers and other road users. Turn off the phone before you turn on the car. A community service announcement brought to you by 88.6 Plenty Valley FM in partnership with Victoria Police. Keeping you up to date, your local station, 88.6 Plenty Valley FM. To keep us all safe and to help our health workers, it's vital to know quickly if you've come in contact with someone who has tested positive for coronavirus. It's why we've introduced the COVID Safe app. With your privacy protected by law, COVIDSafe keeps a secure note of other users you've been near if you have to go out. So, if they test positive for coronavirus, you'll be notified. It'll help us stop the spread sooner so we can get back to the things we love. Download COVIDSafe today. Authorised by the Chief Medical Officer, Canberra. This is Warwick Capra and you're listening to Plenty Valley FM. This in Australia. Warwick Capra goes boom. Stranger
blind your eyes, steal your tongue, get you in your own line today joining me for a licorice all sports is mark the magic man sleeves mark you're a professional boxer welcome to licorice all sports today absolute pleasure to have you on the line thank you for having me Williamson. um looking forward to our interview uh, definitely mate sounds good now mark you grew up in the inner northern suburbs of a reservoir tell us a little bit about the i suppose it is a bit of a rough area and, and growing up um, in Reservoir and also the first time you ever laced up your boxing gloves, mate. Yeah, well, so I've been, uh, I grew up in West Heidelberg and Reservoir uh, most of my life. I was originally uh, born in Manila in the Philippines. I come here when I was four and um, I first lived in West Heidelberg and then uh, lived the remainder of my life in Reservoir and um, look, being a tough suburb, obviously uh, you're gonna be a bit street smart you know, a lot of street smart, to be honest. And um, a lot of people go astray in my area, but um, I, I was lucky enough to pick up boxing at a young age at 11 years old. And that's the first time I walked into the gym. Now, Mark, uh, you've had a lot of time to reflect since your first professional loss to Brock Jarvis about a month ago, back in December. Tell me what you've learned from that experience and what you're going to be, in, be implementing for your upcoming fight against Simplis Fotsala. Look, uh, look, it was a great experience. Um, I'll take nothing away from Brock. You know, he, he earns it. And um, look, I just, like like I said, it was a great experience in the training camp. And it just, it, it taught me what I had to do and, and, and to be a, a proper full-time fighter. And just the, the little things, um, you know, nutrition and, and just being more of a professional as um, each camp goes. And, you know, Simplice is a tough, a tough opponent. He's the number one ranked in the bantamweight division, so we'll be uh, fighting for my Australian bantamweight title, and um, I plan on uh, bringing the best version of Mark Schleeps, March twentieth. Yeah, sounds really good, and it'll be a big fight down at the Melbourne Pavilion. Now you've got a professional record of twelve and one with eight knockouts in in your professional career. So, what what are you going to implement out of the things that you did learn from the Brock Jarvis fight into the upcoming fight? Because he is a former Commonwealth 
Games uh, champion. And um, look, uh, it's not going to be an easy fight, as you, as you mentioned. Yeah, look, um, with Brock, obviously, uh, me moving up two weight divisions, it was a lot bigger than me. Um, and used the strength a lot, a lot better than uh, than I'm normally used to. But in saying that, there's not much I could have done. But in, in, in this fight, I think I'm going to take a little bit of a leaf out of his book and use my size, use my reach, and uh, use all my advantages to um, to get the victory. Now, Mark, you're you're of Philippine Filipino heritage, as you previously mentioned. Do you see yourself as, I guess, a role model for the next generation of Filipino slash Australian boxers? Yeah, well, I hope uh, I inspire the Filipino uh, Australians um, to pick up boxing. Or it doesn't have you don't have to be Filipino Australian, but anyone that want, wants to box, I hope I inspire them and it helps them how it helped me. Um, I definitely can say boxing saved my life, and um, you know, being a little skinny kid growing up in a rough neighbourhood. It, it, it definitely uh, gave me the confidence that I need to, to get through those hard times. And especially now as a fighter, um, you know, even still being abandoned weight, you know, I've, I've got a lot of respect uh, because of my boxing ability. And, um, you know, I feel that anyone and everyone could um, achieve that as well if they work hard. Now, Mark, you're about to come up into your next training block. As you mentioned, your fight is on March the 20th. What does your training schedule look like for, I guess, the next seven weeks up until fight day? Uh, look, yeah, because of the, you know, we, we took a little bit of time off for Brock, but the camp was a very long camp, so everything's still there. Um, now we just, we build the body up. I start sparring tomorrow and uh, we get right into the camp and the next seven weeks is going to be hard work. You know, six of them are going to be sparring. We'll be training twice, three times a day and getting the body 100% for March 20th. Mark, do you have a special routine or superstition you do before you lace up the gloves before a big, big professional fight? Nah, not really. Look, I'll, you know, I'm religious, um, so I pray. I pray every night before I, I go to bed and to wish, uh, to wish, you know, wish God. Uh, I pray to God that you know to give me strength and um, to keep me safe and 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 bless me with a great victory, um, March twentieth. Now, 2020 was a long year, as we're in the brand new year of 2021. Where do you want to see Mark Sleeves be by the end of December 31st, 2021? Uh, we, we want to be world ranked, at least top 50 in the world in the bantamweight division. So that's our plan. Um, you know, we've got a three fight plan uh, mapped out for this year. Simplice is the first, uh, first hurdle and uh, I'm not looking past him. You know, I'm going to make sure the best version of me is uh, is there and, you know, it's going to take the best version of me. You know, like I said, he's not a pushover. He comes to fight. We've had spars before and um, I'm looking forward to it. You've had some amazing career highlights thus far, Mark. So far, what has been the number one moment in your professional boxing career? Look, probably uh, my, tree, uh, my fight against Trigg. Um, you know, we went 10 rounds. A lot of people thought I couldn't go 10 rounds. And it was a, it was a really exciting, um, entertaining fight. And, um, you know, I won it with uh, um, emphatic fashion. Yep. So, Mark, I've, I've been noticed on the socials, you enjoy some CBD oil. So tell the listeners about that and I suppose how that, how that helps you recover as a professional boxer. 
Yeah, so I've been fortunate enough to be sponsored by uh, Hemp Can, Hemp Can Labs, okay. and uh, they also sponsor another boxer, Tyson Landry, who beat Luke Jackson previously on the big zoo uh, undercard. So, um, yeah, so I use the CBD amount, uh, CBD oil to for my recovery. Um, it helps with uh, you know to fasten up your recovery and also sleep. It helps with uh, anxiety. It helps with all those kind of things that um, you know, some people struggle with. Fortunately for me, I don't really struggle with. But I like to be relaxed after big sessions. When you're fit, it's hard to go to bed, especially if it's a hot night. You know, we're in summer now, and um, yeah, the CBD oil really helps me out with my training. Just in extension of that, you, you say the mental side of things. You know, as a professional boxer, he, he, like apart from you know using the oil to to help you relax. I mean, what are what are the things that you do to get away from boxing? Because, you know, it's a, when you're in a training camp, but imagine it's a, it's a full-time thing. And what are the little things you do personally just to get, try and get your mind away mentally from, from the boxing ring? Look, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm a big lover for boxing. So I'm, my okay. mind's always. And, um, you know, if I'm not boxing myself, I'm watching boxing, I'm reading about boxing. Um, you know, I train clients um, when I'm not fighting. So, look, you know, it's always nice to have a break and get away. But this year, I don't plan on having any breaks. I plan on being in the gym the whole year. This is the first one to um, start me off this year. And, you know, I don't, I'm going to be a gym rat and, um, you know, make the most of this year, especially because of last year. And we only got the one opportunity to fight and I had to move up two weights just to get it. But like I said, uh, you know, I, I'm not complaining. And we got a good exposure, uh, you know, we want main event, uh, on Fox Cell as well, so we've got a lot of momentum come, uh, go, coming from that, and um, I plan on uh, keep keep keeping it uh, going. And just the last one for the upcoming fight on March twentieth. If any of the listeners wanted to come down to Melbourne Pavilion and and watch the Magic Man show, how can they go about that, and, and where do they go? Uh, look, yeah, uh, table tickets uh, start from. Uh, 2100 and then the silver 2700 and the gold at 3300 table at 10 the generals are 120 um you can hit up uh the alice boxing page team alice boxing you can hit, uh, hit up my, my my instagram page magic man underscore 1000 um and yeah man melbourne pavilion march 20th mark magic man Schleves make makes an australian title defense against simplice hostala so Come check me out, man, and watch the Magic Man go to work. Love it, mate. Well, great. You pump yourself up there. Come watch the Magic Man uh, on March the 20th, and best of luck for your upcoming fight against Simplus Fotala. Absolute pleasure to have you on your local station, 88.6 Plenty Valley FM today, and I wish you all the best in the upcoming fight, and best of luck with the training camp. Kevin Hines Grove delivers gardening and nature-based programs to people of all ages and abilities. We are currently offering occupational therapy, counselling and social gardening sessions online. We also have a fantastic selection of plants, tomato seedlings and summer veggies available. Telephone 9848 3695 or visit us online at kevinhinesgrove.org.au Take your shots in here, you want one?
Valley FM. This is Warwick Capper, and you're listening to Plenty Valley FM. This in Australia. Warwick Capper goes boom.
little bit of something God, it's better than nothing And then I call her a portrait wall She believes that she's got it all She swears the moon don't hang Quite as high as it used to And she only sleeps when it's raining And she screams And her voice is straining She says, baby
get it Cause I know there's credit due I just taught you bits and tricks And the rest was up to you Got my future covered Because I've learned from your mistakes And I can run big rings around The phonies and the fakes And if you die, well, it's not my responsibility I welcome to the new old me Yeah, well, I can do just what I want While I'm stupid, young, and free Ladies and gentlemen, join me on the line today is Brett Phillips from the First Serve. Brett, welcome to Licorice All Sports. Absolute pleasure, as always, to have you on the line. Yeah, thank you, Rob. Uh, nice to be here. We're getting a little closer to some actual tennis, which would be nice. Uh, we've been talking a lot about quarantine. We've been talking a lot about logistics. How on earth is the Australian Open going to go ahead? But we're not too far away from a ball being hit. And it'd be nice just to sit and actually focus uh, on the tennis in what has been, you know, the most unusual of build-ups to an Australian Open, that's for sure. Unusual, that's for sure. And the quarantine is about to end for all the internationals who have flown in. There's been a lot of controversy over the last couple of weeks. So how have you seen how professionally well the quarantining has gone? And do you think it's, it's worked given the current circumstances of the COVID-19 restrictions? Well, I, I, I've been saying in a lot of... Um, you know, commentary around this that, and I think there's probably been a little bit of hysteria, but, you know, I think they've handled it uh, really, really well. And it was only going to be an issue if it got out into the public. And obviously, you know, I've done a lot of um, talkback radio on air the last uh, two or three weeks. And, you know, you've got those who uh, are just so anti the Australian Open happening. It shouldn't happen. Why is it happening? But if you can run something in a COVID-safe way, I mean, all of us need, you know, who love our sport, Rob, we need a bit of a spirit lifter. We need some live sport uh, to, um, you know, uh, be able to go to and see, uh, having been starved of it, particularly as uh, Melburnians. And, you know, this has been a really, really tight bubble around the tennis players, let me tell you. They've been staying in three designated hotels. We've had one player test positive, Paula Bardosa, the Spanish player. She was quickly whisked off to another hotel where... Um, anyone that was affected. Uh, we've seen, obviously, 70-odd players going to a hard lockdown, uh, having been on those flights where some people did test positive, which were non-players, except for Bardosa. And, obviously, um, you know, they've had to be pretty agile, the Australian Open, because there was, obviously, a, uh, a bit of uproar from the players that they then have to sit in a hotel for two weeks and be expected to come out one or two days later and play these lead-up events, which start, uh, obviously, uh, over the weekend and early next week. So they've been able to rejig, uh, pushing the ATP Cup back 24 hours. They've created another WTA event uh, next week, which won't start till Wednesday. So a lot of the players are getting out. They're going to stagger them. So uh, tonight being uh, Thursday night uh, in Melbourne, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it, it won't be like the Boxing Day sales, mate, where they'll let about <laughs> a thousand people <laughs> out at once charging um, charging to the gate to uh, get the, uh, the best bargains. It'll be very staggered, uh, which will be a slow process. And that's going to be the interesting part because the players 
all can leave those designated hotels and stay wherever they like in Melbourne. Um, but they've had a lot of testing, a lot of testing, and I think it's been handled exceptionally well. So now the next stage is the players all being at Melbourne Park and then crowds, uh, you know, obviously at, at this stage are around about 35%. There's a thought here that we might get to 50% by the time we get to the 8th of January. Uh, I think tickets have just about sold out today for the ATP Cup uh, next week, which will be run at Rod Laver Arena and John Kane Arena. They've sold tickets to the outer courts for the other uh, five events that are going to take place. So logistically, this is a huge operation to run, and we know the AO tickets are selling pretty well. So, yeah, fingers crossed from here, it all goes pretty smoothly. Yeah, and kudos to Tennis Australia and the Victorian State Government for you know managing the situation extremely professional, and I guess in the uncertain period of time that we are in, I guess no one can really complain because we are going to get that Australian Open up and running and it's going to be an exciting summer of Australian tennis and I'm looking really forward to it. Now, we'll go over to Memorial Drive in Adelaide. Brett, uh, some of the biggest stars have been quarantining there as well. Serena Williams, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, Dominic Team, Simona Halep and Naomi Osaka headlined that tournament which will be played on Friday. So what do you make of that? And I suppose it's exciting for tennis up in South Australia. Yeah, great for the people of Adelaide. I mean, once the numbers were capped in Melbourne, uh, Craig Tiley and his team had to find another solution. So uh, I know they approached the South Australian government and said, look, we've got a party of about 50 here that we need to quarantine because the numbers are capped in Melbourne. And obviously, it's been a little bit of a bone of contention that the uh, the upper echelon of uh, men's and women's tennis get very pampered and looked after. And that's at, um, sometimes the displeasure of those uh, lower down the ranking. So, yeah, Nadal, Djokovic team, uh, Yannick Sinner, the young Italian, has been training with Nadal, Serena and, and Venus has been um, in Adelaide as well. Uh, Naomi Osaka looking really good. Simona Halep and, and Ash Barty sort of the fly-in. Uh, she's been spending the last uh, three weeks here in Melbourne, having come down from Brisbane. She's going across for this one-day event, a quarter day at the drive. Some money's been raised for charity. But the deal from the government in Adelaide was, yes, we're happy to let this uh, sort of party of 50 uh, quarantine, but we need something. We need a, an event. Uh, so that was what was negotiated. And obviously the players all coming out of quarantine tonight over in Adelaide are desperate to get out in court and actually uh, play some matches. So Novak Djokovic, the world number one up against Yannick Sinner. Remember this kid from Italy? He is going places in a hurry, what he's done the last two years. Uh, 37 in the world at just 19. Uh, Naomi Osaka, Serena Williams, who'll never forget that US Open controversial final. Uh, Rafael Nadal and Dominic Team, uh, really good mates. I mean, Team's a beast. He has uh, got a lot of similarities to Nadal. And then we're going to see Ash Barty for the first time in about 12 months actually pick up a racket and play a competitive tennis match up against Simona Halep, who, of course, is coached by Darren Cale, uh, one of Adelaide's uh, favourite sons. And uh, they know each other really, really well. So, yeah, it's going to be on TV here in Australia uh, tomorrow. And uh, looking forward to seeing how Ash looks. There'll be a bit of rust, but she's uh, an enormous talent. She's been putting in a really solid training block uh, for the past few months. But uh, this is a different kettle of fish, actually, getting out and playing a competitive match. Getting more in-depth to Ash Barty, you mentioned she hasn't played a competitive tournament in 12 months. Potentially could be a little bit rusty. Do you think she'll be going into this one-day tournament as professionally as you can. I guess these are the lead-up events she needs to perform at the highest level at the AO starting on 
February the 8th. So, I mean, how seriously do you think, you know, and you mentioned the other stars as well, how, how seriously do you think they'll be taking these lead-up events? Because I suppose it's their only real lead-up to, um, you know, the AO. Well, I, I mean, you know, these are these are competitive beasts. They hate to lose. Um, you know, they need to find out where their games are at, and you can only do that if you're going at uh, sort of normal full tilt. Uh, whether they whether they maybe hold a little bit back, uh, they might do that. Uh, you know, there's always um, <laughs> a nervous time for players before a Grand Slam because they don't want to get injured. You know, they want to make sure they're there for the major because that's what really counts. Uh, but I, look, it'll, it'll be a chance uh, when you've got players of this caliber. And I look down at those matchups, you know the quality's uh, even if they're going at maybe eighty percent. You know the quality's going to be damn good uh, f- because of what they've achieved on the tennis court. So, yeah, I think it'll be a real treat for the people of Adelaide uh, who um, who don't often get to see uh, the absolute creme de la creme of uh, of uh, tennis players on both the men's and the women's side. So this is a, a real treat, and I think uh, those players will put on a bit of a show for them. It's exciting stuff for the city of Adelaide and South Australian government have done really well. And, and just to get those stars in, I think uh, it's a really good effort and they've done really well. So one last one, one, sorry, one last one I want to ask you, Brett, is who's your smoky for the Australian Open? Because we've had such a turbulent, I suppose, beginning to the start of the Australian Open summer, who can you see maybe coming from nowhere and going deep into the second week? You know, who, who's a a top-ranked player that you think could potentially, you know, surprise a few at Melbourne Park uh, beginning on Feb the 8th? Wow, there's a loaded question for me. Thank you, Rob. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scan down. I've got the men in front of me here. And, look, you know, the, the, the top three are really, really tough. I mean, Djokovic Nadal, team, you know, deserves having broken through and won a slam, so he deserves to be right up there. I think Daniel Medvedev is getting very close to being ready to maybe win a slam if he can have a good draw. I loved his back end of the year. But if we you know, scan down for a smoky, wow. I, I maybe can't quite see it. Uh, just jumping off the page on uh, on the men's side. Look, you know, Alex Demonor is an interesting one. I spoke to Alex on radio going back a few days ago and he started the year really well winning that event in Turkey. Uh, he was devastated to miss the Australian Open last year because he went so hard at the ATP Cup that he uh, injured his abdominal muscle and had to pull out. So that really hurt him. You know, he's playing good tennis, Alex, at the moment. I mean, he could, you know, if he can get that sort of home crowd behind him, he stays fit and healthy and he gets a good draw. You know, I think he's he's sort of um, that guy now who can be fourth round, quarterfinal, and then it depends on the matchup. So, uh, I'm, you know, from an, an Aussie perspective, you know, I think Alex could be set for maybe his best Australian Open yet. Uh, his prep's been good. Uh, on the women's side, it's really, really even. I mean, there are just, you know, there is just so much talent uh, out there who are playing a really, really fearless tennis at the moment. I mean, if you're asking for an absolute favourite, you know, I think Osaka leads the way there, only because of the uncertainty of Barty. Um, a smoky on the women's side, a very, very good question you pose, and and on the women's side, Rob, you know, there's so much talent out there. And, you know, there's the obvious names at the top who are going to be uh, going to be really, really hard to beat. But I reckon the girl who won the French Open last year from Poland, Iga Sviantek, I don't think she's going to be a one-hit wonder. I mean, to break through and do what she did, I think she can, um, once again 
go uh, really, really deep here on the on the women's side. Uh, so I think you know she's one to um, to really, really uh, you know look out for because she's got just enormous talent. I, I can't really see anyone from the women's side in Australia apart from Ash. You know, I'd love to see. You know, it's about time though that Isla Tomlanovich started to make fourth round quarterfinals of majors. I actually think she's capable. You know, she's got a solid game. She's actually beaten some good players in her career, uh, more at that tour level than the Grand Slam level. But, uh, you know, Isla is better than 68 in the world for me. Uh, she's been in the 30s in the rankings. And, you know, maybe it's her time. She's in that 26, 27 uh, category. And, you know, maybe, you know, she can hit the ground running. She's actually been really settled in quarantine here. She hasn't complained about it. She's knuckled down, uh, getting on with the job. Um, you know, I think that she's one that can certainly maybe make a little bit of a run here and get through maybe to the third or fourth round if she's got a good draw. So, yeah, and we and we wanted to. We sort of always look at her and go, she's capable of more, Isla Tomlanovich, and uh, loses matches that she shouldn't, but hopefully she can turn the page at this year's Australian Open. Some interesting smokies there, Brett, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the upcoming two weeks at the Australian Open. And if you love tennis and you want to check out some of Brett Phillips's work, just check out the first serve on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And also check out the website, www.thefirstserve.com.au. And the first serve's first show is back next Monday night. So please check out his great work. And Brett Phillips, once again, thanks for joining Plenty Valley FM, Licorice All Sports on your local station. Been an absolute pleasure today. Yeah, thank you, Rob. Uh, take care, mate. Uh, we'll uh, look forward to talking a bit of uh, tennis next week. will be nice. Uh, on court rather than off court. Thank you. Brett Phillips there. The Lawler Living and Learning Centre is a not-for-profit incorporated association made up of members who support the community. Our welcoming, friendly and professional centre provides different activities and classes for members of the community. Activities focus on adult education, including English and computers. The centre is very supportive of learners of all ages from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. We offer an occasional childcare service and after-school tutoring. Located at 47A French Street, Lawler, you can call us on 9465 6409 or visit lolallc.vic.edu.au Hi, I'm Adam Goods from the Sydney Swans. I've seen my fair share of domestic violence and I know it doesn't do any good to those involved. I've seen victims, how it affects them and things that you wouldn't really think about when you're out there with your mates having a drink. If you see bad behaviour towards women, don't encourage it. Respect women. Whether they're players, spectators, friends or family, it's so important. To keep your sport inclusive, safe and fair, go to playbytherules.net.au.
Patrick Avenue. Summertime on the 88.6 Plenty Valley FM. This is Plenty Valley FM News. Hello, I'm Sean Bindley. There are calls for JobKeeper to be extended beyond March as many industries continue to struggle amid the pandemic. Queensland's Premier wants the tourism sector to keep receiving the payments until international borders reopen. But Federal Treasurer Josh Frydenberg says the scheme was always intended to be temporary and there is other help available. We put $350 million in the budget uh, last October for regional tourism. We announced a more than $100 million package for travel agents around the country, of course, including those in Queensland. Wine exporters searching for new markets are calling on the Federal Government to extend a $50 million export support package. 
Tariffs introduced by China in November have effectively turned off what was a billion-dollar-a-year market. It's seen exporters turn to Zoom to host tastings with new markets overseas. Taylor's Wines Managing Director Mitchell Taylor says previous federal support ends in June, but it needs to continue. So we really need a continuation so that we can go to some of the big markets um, of North America, the rest of Asia and also uh, Europe and the UK, um, you know, to keep marketing the efforts of, of Australian wine going forward. The list of businesses required to keep track of patrons with the Safe WA app will expand in two weeks. From February 12, people will need to sign in at supermarkets and other retail stores, pharmacies, hospitals, takeaway food outlets and some outdoor gatherings like weddings. The changes come after a review showed some eastern states' outbreaks had been linked to businesses not included in WA's current system. Telstra customers are set to be forced onto direct debit. The telco will put all new customers onto the direct debit plan and encourage existing customers to do the same. CEO Andy Penn admits some customers will be resistant to the change, but it will make things easier. We know that it doesn't suit all of our customers and so we'll be working closely with those to ensure that a payment option is there that suits them going forward. Uh, makes it easier for customers and you know, eliminates a lot of the complexity and some of the issues that drive calls coming into our call centre. Germany has recommended the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine not be used on people over the age of 65, citing insufficient evidence in the trials. But the UK maintains the vaccine produces a good immune response in all age groups. Prime Minister Boris Johnson saying he disagrees with German authorities. Tomorrow, the EU's medicines agency is expected to decide whether or not to approve the Oxford jab. US President Joe Biden has signed an executive order that expands access to health insurance through the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. He also rescinded the so-called Mexico City policy that was brought back by the Trump administration. In News Washington correspondent Giles Gibson has more. The first executive order opens up a new enrolment period for health insurance through the Affordable Care Act. Signing the order at the White House, President Biden accused his predecessor of making health care assistance like Medicaid less accessible. The Mexico City policy blocked NGOs that provide abortion services from receiving U.S. government funding. The Trump administration claimed it protected unborn children and their mothers, but President Biden has called it an attack on women's health access. Giles Gibson, Washington. This is Air News. Firstly to basketball and the Illawarra Hawks are flying high after the Cairns Taipans suffered another loss. Air News Terry Daniel has this report. The Hawks have kept their unbeaten start to the season alive with a comprehensive 90-70 to 70 point win against the Taipans in Cairns. Tyler Harvey, 21 points, and Justinian Jessup, 19 points, led the way for the Hawks, who picked up four wins in a row. The Taipans have another quick turnaround as they travel to Brisbane to meet the Bullets on Saturday, while the Hawks head to Melbourne to face South East Melbourne Phoenix on Sunday, February 7th. Terry Daniel, Air Sport. In football, Liverpool have defeated Tottenham in the Premier League this morning, 3-1. The win moves the defending champions back into the top four, just four points behind league leaders Manchester City. In cricket, the Brisbane Heat take on the Adelaide Strikers tonight at the Gabba in a knockout final of the Big Bash. However, it seems unlikely Mitchell Stark will play for the Sixers in tomorrow night's Big Bash grand final qualifier against the Scorchers. Rugby League and Gold Coast Titans prop Jared Wallace says the playing group is enjoying the pre-season. Wallace says the team is working hard and having fun in preparations for the upcoming season. Usually it's the, you know, where you absolutely, you know, your butt hanging out the whole time and you're just mm -hmm. kind of battling through to, you know, try and, you know, keep, uh, keep everything moving and the body feeling good. But look, I think the, um, the coaching staff have done a fantastic job in the, 
managing the load and the boys did really well and coming back nice and fit. Meanwhile, the South Sydney Rabbitohs have announced the signing of NRL veteran Benji Marshall for the coming season. Australian Independence, Radio News. Simos and the team at Bricky Cafe in Hutton Street, Thornbury are a station supporter and Licorice All Sports program sponsor. They love sport too, so to celebrate if you're heading into Melbourne's sporting precinct or just passing through Thornbury, mention you heard them on Pony Valley FM and they'll offer you a discount deal on a delicious coffee and roll. Bricky Cafe, just a minute from Thornbury Station. You can't miss them. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. Station sponsor. Feeling angry? Stressed out? Drop into the Reach Out website at reachout.com.au and we'll help you let it all out. When times are tough, clear your head at reachout.com.au. That summer feeling. Valley FM. The new COVID Safe app. Let's you know quickly if you've come in contact with someone who has tested positive for coronavirus, keeping you and your community safer. Download the COVID Safe app today. Authorised by the Chief Medical Officer, Canberra.
88.6, Plenty Valley FM. I came to dance, 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 dance. I hit the floor, cause that's my plans, 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 plans. I'm wearing all my favorite brands, 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 brands. Give me some space for both my hands, 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 hands. You, you, cause it goes on and on and on.
Ladies and gentlemen, live on the line on this Friday morning, LAS Basketball with Tom Thorne. Tom, thank you so much for joining me again. Uh, thanks for having me, mate. It's always a pleasure. Great. And what a big week of basketball and also upcoming weekend it's been now. I love this story. The first tournament post-COVID-19 for the local domestic scene, and that was the Altham Danny Nong and Bendigo tournaments, which happened... Uh, just on the Australia Day long weekend. So tell us a little bit about that, Tom. Yeah, massive tournaments on the basketball calendar there for all the young players out there. And it was that great story to see players back on the court in a tournament setting. So we had the traditional two massive tournaments that happen over that weekend. Altham Dandenong, which see over a 1,000 teams enter that competition 
and as well as the Bendigo tournament, which see over 400 teams go to Bendigo. So it was great just to see kids back on floor after a long layoff. Am I correct in saying that is the biggest tournament in the Southern Hemisphere? Yeah, so the Eltham Dandenong there is an absolute massive tournament there and it is the biggest one in the Southern Hemisphere. So something I know those directors and participants are really proud of. Sounds like a great news story there. And we'll stick with the local scene. We'll go to the NBL and there's been some really good stories coming out of the NBL. Now, Giddy, he plays for the Adelaide 36ers. I've noticed Ingalls has been mentoring him. So tell us a little bit, a little bit about that. Yeah, so Josh Giddy there, the the local Melbourne boy that I'm sure no doubt uh, made a few appearances at the local Eltham Dandenong tournament there is really going well in the NBL in his first season there. And like you said there, our very own Australian Joe Ingalls has picked up a bit of a mentorship role there with the young superstar on the rise. And it's been great to see Australian basketball is giving back. And it's obviously been working as Josh Giddy nearly uh, notched up his first professional triple-double in the win over New Zealand the other night. Yeah, and it's exciting to see such great young talent coming through the local system. Now, Melbourne United, they had a massive lead over the Cairns Taipans during the week. And it was the Cairns Taipans who surged late with Scott Ocado absolutely tearing up the floor and they held on to win that being the Melbourne United 87 to 85. So what'd you make of that win? And I suppose there's, I mean, for both sides, uh, so much great talent run around the floor. Yeah, they're two star-studded teams there and no doubt that Melbourne definitely are. And Melbourne come out of the gun blazing there with Chris Goulding knocking down his first four three-pointers. That guy can catch fire. And they got out to a large lead. But to Cairns' credit, on their home court there, Cairns fans absolutely love them. And led by, like you said, Scott Machado brought them home with a blistering last quarter who threatened to steal that game away from Melbourne United. Yeah, definitely. And it's exciting to see. Now, we're only three rounds into the NBL, Tom. So who do you, who do you, what teams do you think have started well and what players are we or should the listeners be looking out for for the upcoming games this weekend? Yeah, so no doubt Melbourne United have started really well and, and everybody expected that. But probably the team that started really well and um, we probably haven't spoken too much about is the Illawarra Hawks there. Now, Brian Gorgian's taken them over in the off-season. And they've started really well with wins on the road there. But the team that and the players are probably doing really well, look after Perth, look out for them, sorry, as well as Bryce Cotton, probably one of the best imports Australia's ever seen in this time for such a long period of time. Yep, and exciting to see. And talk about human highlight reels last week. Well, it went to an all-new level this week. With Cam Oliver absolutely sending body bags left, right, and center. And what a highlight that was during the week. So, what'd you make of that? And it actually made the ESPN play of the day, which I found quite extraordinary. Yeah, new heights. Uh, probably no way to describe how high that man got up. Now, if you don't know Cam Oliver, he is a walking highlights reel. Scott Machado and him, the other import for Cairns, they combine so well. And um, to see how athletic this man is, is unbelievable. Do yourself a favor and check out that dunk because he has absolutely stuffed it down the chimney there. And like you said, he well, that particular play made it onto the USA's ESPN top player of the day, which just goes to show the quality and that we are breaking through and we are being noticed on a global audience.
Yeah, it's exciting stuff. And when I saw that highlight, I, I jumped out of my seat. I thought, yeah, that was fantastic to watch. But yeah, definitely check out that highlight. It's definitely worth watching now. We'll move to the NBA and the Brooklyn Nets. They are surging at the moment. The big three. So you've got James Harden, who's just joined them, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So what have you made of the Nets? They had a couple of losses, but it seems in the last couple of games, they're starting to really work well with those big three players working well together. Yeah, they had a really slow start there, Brooklyn, um, with uh, two losses to Cleveland there. But they did get it together the other night there against Atlanta, having the win in overtime. Now, that big three that we're going to continually talk about uh, throughout the season, Durant, Harden and Irving there, scored a team all collectively 89 points, um, which, as you could imagine, is going to win a fair few games when three of your players are combining for that many. It's interesting that that argument between offense v defense, you know, do we go score a whole bunch of points or, you know, can we defend? So it's always an interesting argument that one, but yeah, certainly the Nets are surging at the moment. Now we'll, we'll go to the Australian front in the NBA and Ben Simmons, unbelievable. Yet again, another triple double with their victory over the Lakers during the week. They won 107 to 106 with Benny Simmons scoring these 17 points. But what I find astounding is he becomes uh, the 13th, Top 13 uh, in NBA history score triple-double. So he's moving up to that, you know, I suppose that echelon of, of greatness. And he's only, I think he's 25. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. So it's great to see Benny Simmons there recording a triple-double there. And like you said, 13th on the all-time list for triple-doubles recorded. And it wasn't that long ago that, you know, there was all this talk in the media, you know, he's had a slow start to the season. Do we keep him? Do we trade him? And that potential hardened deal. And, um, he's guiding his team there to on the weekend, a great win over the Lakers. They now sit top of the, the tally in the East and Benny Simmons is showing that he can get it done both on the defensive end and the offensive end. Most definitely. And we'll stick with the Australian theme over in the NBA. Look, I'm not sure if it's still Christmas over in America, but jingling Joe Wingles with a 21 points and seven of 11 from outside the arc. He's been on fire and most impressively, the Utah Jazz are constantly playing a really good brand of basketball and they sit 14 and four at the moment. So what do you make of that performance? Yeah, Utah Jazz are flying at the moment. They've got a beautiful system there under coach Quinn Snyder where the ball moves, all players are involved and they have so many people that can chip in with points and when it's their turn, they go and get a bucket load and that makes no more sense than Joe Ingles with his 21 points, 7 of 11 from the three-point line and they're a lovely team in the way they pass the ball and bring everybody into it and sitting on top of the West, um, the Western Conference there when there's some pretty big teams that are also going well. So don't underrate them or underestimate them, sorry. They're going to be right up there in the playoffs count. Yeah, it's exciting to see so many Aussies doing well over in the NBA. And to cap it off, I know we mentioned this man just about every single week, but he doesn't disappoint. And I suppose the Benjamin Button of the NBA just keeps on producing. He became the oldest man to score over 40 points during a week and backed it up with 34 the other night. So the great man, the king, LeBron James, he just keeps on keeping on. 
Yeah, there's no no reason to say that lightly when you talk about Benjamin Button and how he keeps getting better. He is like that fine wine, isn't he? Scoring 46 points the other night there, 34 against the Philadelphia in that loss. But he just gets getting better and better and understands his game and his teammates so well. And we're, we're in a lucky era, era where we're pretty privileged to watch somebody like him, you know, once in a well, generation-type player and... Um, yeah, there's no stopping him at the moment. He keeps getting better and better and a large reason of why the Lakers are doing so well. Yeah, most definitely. And I'll leave the GOAT conversations to the experts. I know they're different eras. You, you've got Air Jordan and you've got LeBron and, you know, this the conversation will never end. But um, I'll tell you what, it's exciting to watch and, and we are very blessed, as you said, to be witnessing it in the current day. So, look, Tom, thanks so much again for joining LAS basketball been an absolute pleasure and i'm looking forward to doing it all again next week no i really appreciate having me thank you join the lions club of northcote and connect with ordinary people doing extraordinary things supporting people with a disability fundraising for worthwhile causes and addressing unmet health and educational needs worldwide the lions club of northcote meet on the first and third wednesday of every month for further details Contact the club on 0411 244 779 or visit northcote.vic.lions.au.
ladies and gentlemen, on the line with Talking American Footy, as always, Brent Sternberg. Welcome to Liquish All Sports. Absolute pleasure to have you on this morning. No, hello, Winno. Good to be on again. Good to chat to you again. And uh, a little bit has happened since we spoke last. Of course, we've got Super Bowl 55 all set with the uh, two champions to emerge from uh, Championship Sunday last week. So we're all set for Super Bowl 55, mate. Tom Brady v Patrick Mahomes. The best possible, I think, anyway, the best outcome we could have had. I think so. And I think it's the GOAT. It's his 10th Super Bowl v the, I suppose, predecessor, up-and-coming quarterback who is going to potentially lead the Kansas City Chiefs to that, uh, I suppose, glorious Super Bowl win in number 55. But, look, we'll go back. We'll analyse both games from the weekend, the conference championships. We'll kick it off with the Buccaneers, the Tom Brady-inspired Buccaneers who defeated the Green Bay Packers 31-26. This game was on the edge of your seat, stuff late in the fourth. What did you make of the game? Yeah, it was a terrific game uh, and a really great performance from Tampa Bay, who have obviously now uh, gone to their one through to their first uh, Super Bowl since 2002, their second Super Bowl uh, only. This will be only their second appearance in the Super Bowl. Uh, and, and to do it from the fifth seed is, is an, an, incredible, uh, an incredible achievement, given that we haven't seen uh, a team make the Super Bowl in seven years uh, from outside of the sort of one or two uh, seed uh, spot. So 31-26 winners in the end. Like you say, it was really exciting at the end of that game. They had a bigger lead than that through most of the game, Tampa Bay and then Green Bay, uh, as you knew they would at home with Aaron Rodgers, who's going to win the MVP uh, a week from from Sunday night. Uh, To hold them off uh, in the end, Tampa Bay, it was terrific. Tom Brady uh, was a little bit of an up and down game from him. He made some really big throws, including that strike uh, on uh, fourth down from midfield uh, on the last play of the first half to give them uh, the touchdown to Scotty Miller, the deep ball down the left-hand sideline. Um, really, really great throw. But in the second half, he wasn't so great. He threw three interceptions uh, on, uh, I think, in three consecutive drives. One of them, uh, which was the third one from memory, uh, was one of the worst passes I've seen Tom Brady throw, uh, in his, or certainly um, you know, in the time that I've been watching him, but a terrific win from Tampa Bay. And I think, you know, when we sat here last week, last Friday morning, I think I said to you that um, if the Bucks are going to win, their defense is going to have to do the job for them again. And that's exactly they harassed um, Aaron Rodgers all day. I think uh, Shaq Barrett, their pass rusher, had three sacks. And the other guy coming off the other edge, Jason Pierre-Paul, had had two as well. So a terrific win for the Bucks. So I, I was actually pretty confident in Green Bay. You may remember last week uh, that I uh, picked Green Bay. That was the game that I was more confident in. Um, and obviously it just shows in the NFL, you know, anybody can win. And how dare I pick against Tom Brady, you know, the great Tom Brady in his 10th Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, another, another championship Sunday, another win. And of course, Tampa now become the first team to play in a Super Bowl in their home stadium. So they're going to have the really strange luxury of being able to sleep in their own beds the night before. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an incredible opportunity to perhaps win their, their second ever Lombardi trophy uh, at home. And of course, if there was ever going to be the first, the first quarterback to walk this straight, that it was going to be Tom Brady, wasn't it? What an unbelievable story, you know, to have, 
the uh, you know going to uh, play under a new coach and a new you know offensive playbook really for the first time in his career. And then everything that happened this offseason where he couldn't even get out onto the park and, and practice with his guys, uh, you know, and all different talent around him. And, 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 you know, to just, he basically just went to a new, he basically just said to a team, hey, do you guys want to go to the Super Bowl? And he went there and took it to the Super Bowl. So obviously it wasn't as easy as that, but just unbelievable to see the Bucks uh, with Tom Brady in the Super Bowl and to knock off the, uh, the Aaron Rodgers-led Green Bay Packers as well. Really disappointing end for the uh, for the season for the Packers and obviously there's been a whole bunch of stuff in the aftermath of that game with Aaron Rodgers you know questioning some of the play calling there's uh, little murmurings that he might be on the on the way out I don't think he will be but uh, he certainly wasn't happy with some of the play calls including one of the uh, uh, they went into the red zone on a couple of times and kicked field goals but there was one uh, drive in particular where he could have it looked like on third down he could have ran in for the touchdown and he decided to to throw it and it was incomplete and then Matt LaFleur decided to on the very next play I think it was force and goal from the eight they kicked the field goal and uh, Aaron Rodgers after the game in the press has said that that was not his decision so what might have been for the Green Bay Packers they had an unbelievable season and finished with the first seed in the NFC for a reason but another chance to get Aaron Rodgers another Super Bowl victory another Super Bowl championship comes and goes. Yeah, and beautifully analysed there, and yeah, many many stories to come out of that. But I suppose we'll just have to a bit of wait and see in the off season to see what happens post Super Bowl Fifty Five. And look, we'll go to the other the other conference championship game, and that was the Patrick Mahomes led Kansas City Chiefs defeating the Bills thirty eight to twenty four. The Bills they started well; they were leading at one point nine to zero, but after that, it really was the Kansas City Chiefs who controlled the majority of the game with the Bills scoring a few touchdowns late to make the scoreline a little bit more respectable. But I think that 14-point margin was really flattering in the end. Yeah, and another another team that's, you know, in the championship game probably, you know, weren't aggressive enough. I mean, there was, I think there was four, three or four times they got into the red zone and even into the, uh, within the 10-yard line and they kicked field goals. And as I was saying before we come on air, uh, you know, you, you, you do not beat Kansas City kicking field goals. So um, disappointing for the Bills. And you're right, it was just too good. The Chiefs just too good. And it was the same old story when teams come up against Kansas City. They just, um, you know, they just get blown out of the water. And they did jump out Buffalo to a 9 nothing lead. The uh, kick return or punt return there for Kansas City. Nicole Hardman muffed a punt and then Buffalo, uh, they... That was their first drive that they had actually it started from, I think, the two or three yard line and they uh, scored a touchdown and jumped out to a nine nothing lead. They missed the PAT actually after the, the point after touchdown after after they scored. And then they didn't score a touchdown again until late in that game. Like you say, they sort of mounted a charge and recovered an onside kick. And, you know, they threw caution to the wind in the end, but it wasn't soon enough. For Kansas City, far too good, far too good. This is, they're going to take some beating, I think, next week uh, or in a couple of weeks' time now, you know, with Patrick Mahomes, who there were some question marks over him going into the game. Uh, we sort of, you know, hypothesised how he might be uh, after coming back from the concussion. And he had a toe injury as well. You would not have known. He, he was absolutely flying, Patrick Mahomes. And he made some unbelievable plays in that game that nobody even really spoke about because it's just Patrick Mahomes and he does it every week, you know. So, um unbelievable performance. You know, the Chiefs, up until going into last season, they'd only ever played in two Super Bowls, and now they go to consecutive Super Bowls, of course, and back to Florida 
They beat San Francisco in Miami last year in Super Bowl 54. Now they go back to Tampa Bay to play in Super Bowl 55. And I actually just uh, saw earlier on today that uh, Kansas City will be wearing their home kit. Of course, the NFC team this year uh, got the chance to choose what they wanted to wear. And Tampa Bay, strangely, uh, have decided to wear their white uh, away uniform. So Kansas City, for the second year in a row, will be trying to win the Super Bowl uh, in their home red uniforms. But in terms of the Bills, tremendous season to get back to the AFC Championship game. They've got some things that they need to do uh, to get better next season, but they're, they're going to be faced with the same question marks going into next season as the other teams in the American Football Conference. And that is just how the hell do we beat the Kansas City Chiefs? They're just, you know, they flirted a little bit with form down the back end of this season, but, you know, when the playoffs come around, they just clicked into gear and they're going to take some take some beating. And, of course, that sets us up with uh, what I think now is one of the most important games. Uh, and you know me, we know I am prone to some over-exaggeration at times, but this is not over-exaggeration. This is, Love it. this is one of the most important games in NFL history, I think, with Tom Brady v. Patrick Mahomes. You know, the GOAT in Tom Brady and the only guy really I could see even coming close to challenging that title uh, by the end of his career in Patrick Mahomes. They're unlikely to meet again. Uh, that is, unless, of course, they uh, come back and meet in the Super Bowl next year. Uh, and, and, you know, I think this is going to be a game that people use as a, as a reference point uh, in, in league history when they talk about, you know, the, uh, the night that Patrick Mahomes beat Tom Brady. We have a lot of big uh, games and moments and reference points in the league's history where two guys play one another like this, but rarely do you get it in the Super Bowl. So... It's, uh, it's going to be a special Super Bowl Sunday, and I can't w- wait to uh, catch up next week. Rob, and uh, pull it apart a little bit more. Well, there's going to be so many, I suppose, differing headlines depending on the result of the Super Bowl 55 next week. Looking forward to the chat next week, Brent Sternberg. And to any of the listeners out there who want to check out Brent Sternberg's work, he runs a podcast called Talking American Footy. You can If you're over the age of 50, you're at risk of vision loss and blindness. Over half a million Australians are vision impaired in both eyes. Irreversible damage could be taking place right now, and by the time symptoms start to appear, it could already be too late. There is hope. If detected early, 75% of vision loss is either preventable or treatable. Act now. Have an eye examination at your local optometrist every two years. Don't let avoidable eye diseases blind you. Brought to you by the Lions Eye Health Program Australia. Plans and break up. This is bound to be.
G'day ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's segment of LIS Beer of the Week. On this week's episode, I'll be having a taste of a beer called Sefirio. This beer is made and distilled by the company Copperberg. The distillery Copperberg was founded in 1882 and is the second largest one in Sweden and is located on the west coast of Sweden. Now this Sefirio beer was made in 1888 for the first time and I'll be giving it a go right now as we crack open this beautiful looking can it's a blue can it is alcohol content 5.2 percent volume and it looks really quite good and 330 mil within the actual measurement of the contents in there so we're going to crack this Sofirio open here we go Ooh, that sounded absolutely beautiful. And just having a smell of it, light hints of bread and citrus, that'd be fair to say. And I'm gonna take my first sip. It's got a malty taste. And as I just mentioned, it smells like light bread and citrus. So this is the LAS Beer of the Week. And if you want to get involved in LAS Beer of the Week or make any suggestions, please feel free to do so by contacting me at winstonsportsmedia at gmail.com. 
I hope you've enjoyed this week's beer review and I'm looking forward to getting all your suggestions for next week's episode. Thanks for listening. Ah!